I guess we can get going. We can get started. I mean, we're recording on location at Wholesome. This is our second time recording here, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Episode 25, and uh, we have a special guest, Pedro Padilla Martinez. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, you're the pharmacist here. At uh, pharmacy at Hol- agent, pharmacy agent. Yes. At uh, at wholesome company. What's your address here? Just just off the top of your head. Do you know what it is off the top? Uh, of your head? I think it's five eighty West one hundred North. But I would just double check that. Yeah. At wholesome.co. Okay. That's our website, and that's where you can get the most accurate information about our location. You can get our phone number there, our address, our business hours. If you need to go okay. do online ordering, any of that. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's great. Uh, you were right next door to Costco. I mean, it's super easy, super convenient uh, to come here. It's it's out of the way, easy parking. Uh, your online ordering is top notch, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Excellent. I really like that online ordering thing is is pretty good. Now, you have to register as a patient first in order to be able to access the online ordering. Is that correct? Yeah, it takes a little while to have access to the online ordering. And that's because just of the, the complications of becoming a patient in the state of Utah itself a lot of people think that it's a kind of a quick thing to just get your card. But a lot of people don't know that. First, you have to get your letter, then your card. And at any dispensary you go to in the state of Utah, you have to create a profile with their 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 pharmacy online. And then they'll be able to have information about you, like your name, your uh, medical card or your letter, if you have a letter. And then we'll verify you on our end. And then you'll have access to the online uh, ordering system. But Anybody can get the process started by going to our website at wholesome.co. Now the process to actually even get your get your medical card too, or would they have to go to the EVS for that? Yeah, they would have to go to their their doctor, the doctor for I that. Or sometimes there's also kind of like uh, these firms that specialize in that, like Empathetics is one that yeah. I've heard about. And uh, so yeah, you can go to one of those or go to your doctor. They'll give you a recommendation or a card. Right. And, and then from there, you can go to the to the medical cannabis pharmacies and begin to register as a patient at those pharmacies. And then that's how you access the online ordering. Got it. Got it. I really, I think online ordering is going to be a big deal, Chris. Oh, no, absolutely. I, like, don't you think? Yeah, no, I mean, that's I mean, you're always to... looking up, look at how much stuff we order online now. Yeah. But it's going to be, I think it's even more in the cannabis space because people are like the pharmacies are running out of product. So I think more and more patients are going to want to know, Hey, if I go down there, like it's going to be there, my order is going to be there. Yeah. No. And that's a really big advantage for the online ordering right now is that especially if you're running low on a specific product, if you're one of those that makes your order early enough, even if you're going to come pick it up later at 7 PM that day, if you made it at 10 AM that morning and you know, it's the last Sunday driver or whatever it may be. We're going to hold on to it for you. So, Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, let's back up. Pedro. Um, <laughs> let's how, find out how about old you, are you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, let's find out about you. Uh, how old are you? I'm 23. I, I just turned 23 in, in May. I actually recently graduated from college, the University of Utah as What'd well. What did you graduate in? Uh, political science and sociology. So Nice. So, so pharmacy agent, you said that's yes. your title here? Yes. Is that the same as like a pharmacist that you would see at like Walgreens, right? Or no? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, the pharmacy agent position is kind of a new position in the medical cannabis industry. Uh, and Utah seems to be the only state that I know of that has such positions. But really what it is, is, uh, pretty much doing the similar things that bud tenders do in, in other states. So right. like, I'm the the person that the patients talk directly to, you know, when it comes to picking out their product when they go to the medical cannabis pharmacy, you know, and I'm the one who they'll be making the transaction with. 
Okay, so the patient comes in and they they meet with the pharmacist first. Yes. Right? That's not you. No. They they meet with the pharmacist, they go over their dosing, their yes. delivery, like what and what their provider, their yes. QMP recommended. Mm-hmm. Um I we've talked a little bit about that, Chris, in previous episodes. Okay, then they get to the counter, essentially. Yes. And that's where you are. Yes. You're at the counter. What what do you call yourself when you're with your friends? Do you call yourself a pharmacy associate or a bud tender? Uh, I, I like the term bud tender better because, I mean, that's just what it's mostly known as. You know, like it's I mentioned. It's easier? The, yeah, it's just easier. You know, it's easier to understand, like, what I'm doing. You know, I'm pretty much helping patients pick out, you know, their medicine and giving them feedback about the different products. You know, if they're interested in tinctures, you know, this is what they are, how they work, if they're interested in flour. These are the, the flowers for the morning or the evening time or, you know what I mean, things like that. And so, yeah, pretty much just trying to guide patients so that they can uh, successfully pick out their medicine that day. Would you have ever guessed like maybe a year ago that you were, would be working with cannabis today? A little bit, yes, because, you know, it, it, I've been trying to get into the cannabis industry, honestly, for kind of a while now. Um, you know, when I first uh, got into college, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to become, right, when I wanted to grow up and things like that. And so cannabis is something that I've always been passionate about, been really interested about. Uh, just learning the whole history of how, like, it's actually been legal longer than it's been illegal, you know, and kind of, like, took advantage of my college studies to really go in depth and focus on, like, the history of cannabis and cannabis policies where, you know, I eventually got an internship with Prop 2, and so that, that's kind of where, where that all began. Um, but I'm sorry, what was the question again? No, that's fine. Okay, it's just there's your, a lot to your, your history there. with cannabis. Prop two? And, and yeah. prop like two. you were involved in Prop 2? Yeah. Well, you were like 16. Uh, I was... It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was like two, three years ago. So yeah, I was like 19, 18. Uh, I was like a sophomore in college. It was like my second, third year in college. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I was like collecting signatures uh, for the petition, you know, so we can put Prop 2 on the ballot at, at the time. Uh, you know, we were getting people registered to vote, you know, and informing them of like new voters, especially why should they become yeah. voters? And, you know, they could, if they didn't have uh, something to motivate them to vote before, and if they're cannabis enthusiasts, now there's an opportunity, you know, to vote for, for medical cannabis. And so, yeah, it was mostly just like campaigning in general, registering voters, getting people to sign the petition, helping people understand uh, what Prop 2 would do and just uh, what legalized medical cannabis would do in general here in right. Utah. So you've been an advocate for quite a while then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's Absolutely. awesome. So political science, did you, and, and you, we were reading your paper, right? Yes. This, uh, a paper on like what arrests look like. Yes. In Utah. What, tell us a little bit about the paper you wrote. Yeah. So, uh, that was my, my senior thesis essentially. The reason why I got interested in writing about that in the first place, is because of course, being an advocate, you know, being involved with Prop 2, and I was involved with Normal for a little bit as yeah. well, like yeah. the National Organization for Reform Marijuana Laws. I was actually an intern for them as well. In their cool. DC did you office. get a leaf, a framed leaf? I did not get a framed leaf, uh, but I do have a couple of like memor- memorabilia. Yeah. So uh, for, for people who don't know, I think Normal, like when you join them and, and you donate, they'll send you a, a yeah, like wooden a, like a, framed, like a card I, I, holder. it's a cannabis like, leaf. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah. I'm going to bring you one, Chris. Yeah. I, I have, I have one. It's, it's, yeah, they're yeah. really cool. And you yeah, can hang yeah. them on your office wall. Yeah. No, I don't yeah, know if it's really legal, dope. frankly. I, I'm, it's a hemp, <laughs> it's a hemp leaf. Yeah. <laughs> just call it a hemp leaf. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, like being with, with them for a while and learning like more of like the political side of marijuana reform 
and kind of like, um, you know, the importance of talking to lawmakers and other interest groups and people like that made me want to like get more specific into the research and the academics of it because for the longest time ever, I feel like here in Utah, we haven't really been addressing the elephant in the room of like racial disparities when it comes to medical cannabis. And so, you know, I was like, well, why not find out, you know, how is it that marijuana arrests look like in Utah and are there racial disparities? And so that was pretty much the question that I tried to figure out mm -hmm. in my thesis. And so I sourced information from the U.S. Census Bureau, the, uh, the FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting Program, uh, Utah's Department of Public Safety. And they actually track uh, marijuana arrests, you know, every year. And when it comes to arrests by race, it was the FBI that had the, the best uh, data on that. So what I did pretty much was compare arrests by race uh, with uh, populations by race in Utah. And so it seemed like by the, the research I, I did, the results came back that African-American communities and Native American communities are especially disproportionately affected by the marijuana arrest rates. And that's because uh, when it comes to African-Americans, they're about like 1.5 to 2% of the Utah population. Yet when it comes to arrests, African-Americans make up about 6 to 7% of uh, marijuana arrests. Oh, and so wow. that, that's clearly a disparity right there, right? And so it's a similar thing with the Native American community. They make up about 1.2, 1.5 of the uh, Utah population, but they represented about 2 to 3% of marijuana arrest rates. Uh, for, And a lot of those arrests are uh, simply for possession. Like the data that I sourced was from the years of 2015 to 2018. And every year, over 90% of the marijuana arrests in Utah were for simple possession only. Uh, sales and manufacture, manufacturing made up about 7 to 10% of the arrests like every year. Like, and when, when you say simple possession, I mean, we're talking probably like a little nug or something. Yeah, you know? any, something anything stupid. from like, yeah, personal, personal yeah. possession, you know, anything right. like, I wouldn't say it's much over like an ounce, Yeah, you know? Well, an ounce would right. be quite and a bit then, still. And I think that like, there's going to be some, even some listeners who are going to say, well, you know, if 6 or 7% of the arrests are African-American, that's just, maybe that's just because there's more of them you know, breaking the law. And so yeah. that's true, but, but that's not true it's because not. the use rates, remember the use rates among white people, Hispanics, black yeah. people, like all that's all the same. Yeah. White guys use, <laughs> white guys smoke weed just as much as, as the black community. Yes. Okay. It's not more prevalent no, yeah, in their community yeah, a lot than it people. is in ours. It's, so the arrests should should be closer, yeah. much, much closer. Yes, they, they should be. And, um, you know, it's not the first time that this has been investigated either. There's been other uh, major major interest groups that are civil rights advocates that have done research on this themselves, like the American Civil Liberties Union is another interest group that has uh, done research on this. And they've come out with two reports, actually, one back in 2013 that assessed marijuana uh, racial disparities from 2010 to 20. To, from 2000 to 2010, and recently they released another one, an updated version, uh, just this past 420, actually, and they show that, you know, racial disparities are still present, even though, yeah, like, both uh, white communities and communities of color use at similar rates. And something very interesting that I found from the research is that when it comes to the uh, Hispanic or Latino population, the data is much uh, harder to, to gather, and that's because uh, when it comes to the racial disparities, uh, the FBI, they don't classify the Hispanic or Latino community as a race. It's more labeled as an ethnicity. And so, uh, you know, when trying to look for 
uh, the arrest rates for Hispanics, they're not there. Usually those people get lumped in with, with whites most of the time. You know what I mean? Interesting. And so, and the, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, has, has talked about this in their research as well. And it, that's the reason why if you actually, you know, do some research and look into racial disparities, a lot of the times they're only between white and black Americans, you know, because that's the, a lot of, well, most of the data that we have. And so that's kind of problematic because Utah, especially, the Hispanic population is like the largest ethnic minority here, you know, and to not have good data on, on our racial disparities for that population specific is troubling to so me. So there's not good data on, like you mentioned, the African-American population, the Native American population here, but you didn't bring up Hispanics yes. because there's no good data. Yes, there just isn't. The, uh, the federal, uh, the FBI pretty much, when in the arrest rates, they don't classify Hispanic or Latino, Latinx as a race. They, it's for the most part, it's like African-American, Native American, think like native Hawaiian, white. And so, yeah, it's, it's something that oh, I wow. didn't know about. So you didn't know about this no, going into it. No, I thought I was going to be able to find, you know, data about it. And from, you know what I mean, from every ethnicity pretty much, because, you know what I mean, from the outside looking in, you, you think, oh, there should be this data, right? Someone's tracking it, but. Well, and you would assume, I mean, I would assume that you'd be interested in the Hispanic data, mm-hmm. like personally too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly, man. I mean, uh, me, myself being, you know, Mexican-American, first generation. Uh, my parents were immigrants to this country. And uh, growing up, you know, it was very common for people to get arrested for marijuana, getting that in the record, and then reducing their chances of social mobility and, you know, trying to get better jobs or trying to, you know, do better things with their lives because of the the uh, the criminal record that, that they had. And so, you know, that's why I'm a big advocate when it comes to racial disparities, criminal justice, and advocating for expungements as well, mm. you know. So especially now in the age of marijuana reform, you know, we can't be... I personally feel like if we're going to, you know, decriminalize, legalize, we should also do, you know, something like expungements and make sure that people who have gotten in trouble in the past who committed something that is now legal can get that cleaned off their record as well. Oh, wow. Okay, this... There's so much to talk about, right? It's it's so fun to talk to people who are like into this and they do research and they're they're like really involved. Mm-hmm. So it's what do you do? Okay, back to back to the fun stuff. Yeah. Right? Back to <laughs> quit quit arresting people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they should, man. So when you're here, do you have we've heard that there's like there's things you can say and there's things you can't say to patients. Mm-hmm. Is it like really strict? of what you can recommend and what you can't in Utah? It is, man. You know, depending on the on the patients, you know, there are some patients who sometimes have uh, specific recommendations from their pharmacists. And, you know, we'd rather um, stick to that, that recommendation that their pharmacist gave them, especially if they're like new patients, you know, who haven't had experience with cannabis. Uh, for the mo- but for the most part, as long as like uh, the pharmacy agents and people like me, we're not directly saying like, I recommend this, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's the pharmacist's job. You know, we can just like talk about the product, say how it, it made us feel if we're medical cannabis patients as well, which I am. Um, and say, you know, how, uh, how, how other patients, uh, reported feeling as well. Sure. You, know? you mentioned you're a patient. Yes. What, what are you, what are you a patient for what, with cannabis? Like, what do you currently use it for? Uh, I use it a lot for, for pain, especially like chronic pain. Uh, I've had chronic pain in my, my knees, uh, before. And then having a history of uh, skateboarding as well oh, yeah. didn't uh, kind of you know accelerated that a bit. Right. 
Uh, now that I'm getting a little bit older and I'm like standing on my feet a lot, by the end of the day, I usually have like pretty bad like knee pain. And of stuff. course, yeah. No, it's just always, it's always fun to talk about you know what what people are currently using cannabis for, yeah. what they found results with, what they're you know success yeah, and stuff. I, and I think that you guys have a good like you guys are in the perfect position to give recommendations, frankly, because you're able to use different products and, and kind of try things out. Cannabis is different than other medicines. You know, I mean, I'm a QMP. I, I talk to a lot of patients and it's different than other medicines because you can't, you know, it's not like you can just prescribe, okay, this five milligrams three times a day and you're good. It's such an experience cannabis is. So, trying different medications and experimenting is really part of the process. It is. It is, man. You know, that's the thing with cannabis is that, you know, it's different than the traditional take this pill at this time for this condition, you know, because cannabis, it's not a one size fits all, but there's definitely a size for everyone. But it's going to take time, you know, a little bit of trial and error to find, you know, what size you are. And you know, for some people, tinctures, you know, it's what works for them. For others, flour is what works for them best. For others, a combination of, you know, a tincture and some flour is what works for them. And it's just a matter of, you know, trying a couple of different products, um, especially if you're a new patient, and seeing what works best for you and just acknowledging other variables like the time of day, who you're with, you know, your comfort zone, you know, and, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a journey, you know, to, to find uh, relief with, with cannabis for sure. Right. It's not like other medicine. What's your favorite types of patients to, to help? Uh, my favorite types of patients recently um, are, are the new patients. And I didn't think it'd be like this, you know, uh-huh. um, I thought, I was going to have like a hard time with new patients and stuff, but the, but, um, it's not, I actually really, really enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people, especially new people about the, the, the cannabis itself, you know, especially because I know there's a lot of people, the new patients usually have had like inaccurate information that they've heard about in the past. And either they they come in with like the old school mentality of just say no, you know, marijuana is bad. <laughs> All right. Just um, say no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just, just talking to patients and breaking it down, you know, breaking down each product, what it does. Um, and the, the new patients, especially because we have a couple of products that are very good for new patients. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have tried out any of the Zion products. Oh yeah. Um, but they use a lot of Delta eight, THC in their products, which is like a much more mellower version of the traditional Delta nine, which is what we're all used to. Um, and so that's my, my, those, those are my go-to products to recommend, not recommend, but I mean, suggest to patients, you know, based off of like my experience and others experiences, because Delta eight is a much more mellow experience than Delta nine. Yeah. It's more of a body, like for people who don't understand the Delta eight, I mean, I would say go back and listen to the episode we recorded with Blake Smith, mm. um, the chief science officer for Zion Medicinal. But Delta-8 is a it, it's a sister molecule to Delta-9, the THC, and it reduces the, the resistance of the cell to let cannabinoids into the cell and, and act. So it's more of a body experience for yes. patients and a little less of a mind high. So people tend not to get a stony feeling. Yes, yes. They tend to get more of a body relief. Yes. And it's very good. Like you say, it's very good for patients for, or it tends to be better for patients with body pain, knee pain, mm-hmm. foot pain, neuropathy, things like that, where they don't, 
they they don't really need the psychoactivity. They yes. want to focus on the other yes. like the other benefits mm-hmm. of the plant. It's a I mean we could do whole episodes on on this and I'd love to go deeper with that, you know, and learn more about because I don't know a whole lot about Delta 8, Delta 9. And again, yeah. I know we've talked about it briefly on the podcast, but I'm sure if I don't know, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that don't yeah. really understand yeah. it either. And, yeah, and honestly, and I didn't know either uh, until like, you know, I started working here with Wholesome. Sure. To, you know, like see all this product, you know, especially because Delta 8 is something you will probably never find in the underground market. You know what I no, mean? and they like, don't label it, right? Like, yeah. it's not like you can go buy a bag of flour from the guy down the street yeah. and he's going to say, oh, yeah, this is really high mm-hmm. in Delta 8, no, you know? Yeah, no. um, but here, <laughs> one of the things that Zion does, and I'm sure that the more we talk about it, the more other companies will start to do it, they label all their minor cannabinoids. Yes. And, yes. and um, terpenes as well. Oh, and they label all their terpenes. So terpenes can be added which is mm-hmm. which is nice because those can be helpful for certain things like yes. uh like inflammation or sleep but the the labeling the minor cannabinoids will become more popular and it will help you recommend products to patients too right no yeah definitely man because uh a lot of uh patients are you know the the, the leading cannabinoids in cannabis industry you know generally are like CBD and THC right and so those are the top two that mostly everyone knows and especially with like the CBD craze, you know, these oh, past yeah. couple of years, everybody, you know, kind of hyping that up. But like, we really need some of the other cannabinoids. And like, I may not be the best person to speak to when it comes to the specifics of like each cannabinoid and what it does. But I do know that generally, when you include other cannabinoids and you pair it with like CBD and THC, you know, it's going to give you a, a better opportunity for relief. You know, and it's going to give you a different effect as if you were just consuming CBD on its own or THC on its own. Adding some of those other cannabinoids like CBC, CBG, CBN is going to give patients a different experience. And sometimes it gives them more relief as well. So. Right. Have we talked about like a good place to learn about all these CBN, CBG, CBD? I mean, obviously we know CBD, THC, yeah. those, but honestly, the off the, the top of your head, do you know? I I mean, I know we're working Just, on something. Yeah, uh, I, I like I've got we've got videos to, yeah. that we're producing <laughs> to talk about this exact thing. Yeah, um, at utahmarijuana.org, and these are the things. Like, if you want to hear, if if people want to learn more about this, then we we can bring like we could bring Blake back on. We could bring we can do our own research because mm-hmm. we're writing blog articles sure. about mm-hmm. this. So yeah, okay, utahmarijuana.org. I'll commit to. Well, you know, I hear, to, I hear to more it tossed about around, the minor cannabinoids. But I never hear people really ask much more than that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, we got to ask here. That's the only way we're going to learn, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? And I know that, uh, you know, I'm going to throw the name out there, Leafly. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a good news, like news source in general for, sure. for cannabis. And I'm sure they, yeah, I'm sure they have, have a, a couple of articles yeah, or yeah. something on that too. So the part of the problem with these minor cannabinoids is there's such a demand for THC and CBD mm-hmm. right now there that is. there's not, nobody is growing crops of CBC, no, yeah. <laughs> CBG. Yeah. There's more crops of CBG I've heard because that's becoming more popular, yes. but like, there's not enough money in it yet mm-hmm. to really do the research. That's what I'm, that's what I find. No. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the thing, because like when I started to find out about these other minor cannabinoids and their benefits, like I was pretty excited about that too. But, um, the demand just doesn't really match that at the moment here in right. the Utah, like medical cannabis industry. And that's because currently what's leading in sales is the highest THC stuff. Exactly. You know, it's the Which flower. doesn't make sense anyway. I mean, yeah. like this 22% product is just as good 
as the 29% or the 30%, depending on what you need and how you feel. Is that, what's the discussion around high THC flour? Yeah, you know, there definitely are, you know, patients sometimes who come in and they'll, they think that, you know, because something has a TH, the highest THC, it's going to help them the most. You know. It's a psychological yeah, thing. It's yeah, it's just, yeah, like the psychological thing. And I mean, uh, because of, of years of, you know, not being able to really, you know, get deep into like the other cannabinoids um, and not having sort of the momentum that we do now with, mm-hmm. with medical cannabis, right? And I feel like everyone's so used to, you know, I mean, the, the thinking of the past. And so they just want, you know, THC, the highest THC. But, um, you know, I always try and let patients know, you know, hey, you know, the other one with the, the lower THC, you know, it means that maybe there are other cannabinoids in there that replaced, you know, that lost THC in there. And that can actually be better for your back pain, you know what I mean? Or better for, you know, your nerve pain or whatever it may be, because, you know, you're going to get a different, you know, quote unquote, entourage effect, you know, right. because there's different levels of different cannabinoids in there. And each time there's different levels, it's going to give you a slightly different effect. That's why the quote unquote, like indica sativa uh, spectrum exists as well. Sure. Do you find that the, there's a lot of discussion still about indica sativa or is it more re- CBD, THC? It's definitely still indica sativa. Like that spectrum, I feel like will be dominant for at least another couple of years. I mean, it's just like what people are used to. Right. Um, but there is information, you know, coming out saying that, you know, maybe the that indica sativa spectrum, maybe we should label it a little more uplifting to sedating and replace the indica sativa with a cannabinoid and terpene uh, profile ratio. And there are some patients who will bring that up sometimes. And I feel like we are uh, like maybe on a beginning to head down that road. I mm-hmm. mean, to head down that road, but uh, uh, I feel like it's going to take some time. Oh, I was going to ask you, what do you think like the biggest hurdles are for patients still right now? The biggest hurdles for patients, I'm going to say is going to be just like the the bureaucratic process of like becoming a patient and then also like the 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 hiccups we have with like the software mj freeway you know what i mean and i don't know is it running down all the time like is it it, does it break uh yeah here and there and it just does weird things here and there you know it does like little glitches we'll be in the middle of like about a complete an order or something and it'll delete it and they'll have to like start with that patient all over again and you know re re, uh, add their products onto the cart and everything Sometimes the patient's uh, limits are off. Here in Utah, a patient can have 113 grams of flour uh, and 20 grams of composite THC per uh, 28 days. And sometimes the it's, it's literally like typos. I don't know if it's the state or the MJ Freeway software, because sometimes it's, instead of like 20 grams, it'll be like 0.20. You know, so they won't be able oh, to I buy see. like a cartridge or something like that. And, you know, we run into issues like that. And it's like, I feel like that's definitely a big hurdle to the industry right now. It's just, and I, and it's understandable too. You know, I understand it's like the first, the first medical cannabis pharmacy opened this March, you know, Wholesome's only been open for about a month. Sure. You know, I understand that, you know, we're probably going to experience this for the first year, maybe two. And so that's kind of why. You know, like I don't get like too down on it or, you know, too frustrated with it because, you know, it's just a work in progress. We're going to get better eventually. But I feel like that just shows that, you know, the the people that we rely on to like represent us and make the laws about this and, you know, adjust the laws about this don't exactly know what's really going on and how this thing really works, you know, but <laughs> right. they think they do. What, um, you think the government is 
not in tune with the people? <laughs> what, are you talking about? what are you talking about, Chris? <laughs> uh, pretty much, man. Uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people in government positions who might have never had and have had anything to do with cannabis and they might still see it in a negative viewpoint and they don't even bother, you know, looking into exactly how is this working? How exactly would I become a patient? You know, and that can be like an experiment for, you know, for, for, um, you know, for our elected officials, you know, like if, if any of them, any of them listen to this, this podcast, I'd say, you know, look into the process, you know, of what it's like to become a patient, try and become a patient yourself and then try and navigate that system yourself. This then, is a great challenge you know, to all the legislatures. Go yeah. to, yeah. I mean, go, go online, search out how to become a patient, go find somebody, yes. go see them, go become a patient, register at the EVS system, yes. go to the pharmacy, <laughs> meet with the pharmacist. It's a process. Yes. When you talk about it all the way through, like just to get to you, like you're the fun part, right? We've <laughs> yeah. done everything. We've got our card. We got our letter, whatever. You know, we get all the way through the pharmacy and now, oh, now we can yes. start talking about products. Yes. We can pay for products. We yes. can like, we can go home, experience it. Oh yeah. You, you have the best job in the whole system. Now <laughs> this might be against HIPAA, but do we know what's the average age of a patient in Utah? Do we oh, know? No, we, um, I mean, because just the before, state has data on this. I can bring this. I'll curious, bring this information back. It's not all back. like twenty-year-olds. Oh I mean, no, I, I'm no, sure no, most no, of them are, are older. Right? No, no, I think that most of them are older. Yes. So the average cannabis user is pretty young, right? Twenty-three-year-old female, twenty-six, twenty-eight-year-old male. But the average patient in Utah is much older. What would be your guess? My guess is 47 is the average. That's what I would average say. Average age. Yeah. Because I think there's multiple factors. I think cost is a big factor. And I think that the younger, I mean, I think that younger people have less money and are less likely to go through the process of becoming a patient, either because one, financially, it's, it's a burden um, to pay the QMP and, and navigate that. And two, I think that younger people are more inclined, they're frankly just more inclined to, to use it on the black market and not be so concerned. Well, and chances are they've never gotten in trouble. You know, as right, old, older yes. folks, we're like, well, you know, we want to play our cards, right? And, <laughs> right. You know, you not get in lose. trouble, you know, more right. to lose, you know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I definitely have more to lose now than when I was 23. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like your age. I, I don't know. Um yeah, so I'm going to go through the legal process yeah, for sure because yeah. it's worth the 250 or whatever it costs to get my card hmm. and and get the get legal pro process. Yeah, Plus, I don't want to drive to Colorado. Yeah, who wants That's, to do that? Who wants, who wants to do that? To do that? Yeah. It's a risk too. Yeah, you got to drive past uh, out past Vernal, and those guys are strict. They'll pull you over. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll arrest you. And then Pedro write write a paper about you. <laughs> then we'll call JD up. JD, where you at, <laughs> we'll buddy? Call JD. Yeah, Hello, man. JD. JD gets a mention on almost every podcast lately. What's um like? Are you continually learning cool things about cannabis? Oh, like, yeah. what's the last interesting thing you've learned about cannabis? Man, uh, it's kind of a big question. No, I yeah, guess, but. I'd say definitely learning more about like processed products. Okay, and especially with like the new patients because they tend to favor more like the processed products and like the they don't want to inhale you know they don't want to inhale like vape or or flour or any of that but learning more about processed products and more about how when you have like you know uh gummies or gelatinous cubes right a lot of the terpene profile and cannabinoid profile uh during the during that processing can get lost you know right and so you end up with mostly just thc or mostly just cbd 
which is what like a lot of gummies in the, the Utah market have. And, you know, a lot of patients come and they ask, you know, where are, are these gummies indica or sativa? And it's like, well, I mean, we, we can say that they were grown from an indica strain or, uh, you know, a sativa strain. But at the end of the day, depending on how the manufacturer did their processing, this could just be mostly THC and a very little amount of the other cannabinoids, right? But learning about like the, the full spectrum products and uh, learning about uh, Bougem, which is another uh, processing uh, company here in Utah and how they, you know, kind of specialize in making a processed, I mean, uh, full spectrum products like the oral spray that they have and the, mm-hmm. the capsules. That was really uh, interesting to me. And I'd like to learn more about that because, you know, I'd like to have more of like, in, in, in the industry, I'd like to have for patients more processed products that are going to reflect the experience of consuming an actual strain, hmm. you know, because that's kind of what people want at the end of the day. You know, they, they want to ha- take their capsule and really get the sativa experience, you know, or the uplifted experience, you know, or the opposite, get the sedated experience, you know. And, you know, when you're consuming, you know, some some, some gummies that are, it, it doesn't really say if it's full spectrum or not. It just kind of depends on the person, you know, some people will feel uplifted. Some might feel, you know, pretty sedated and tired from it. So yeah, man, full spectrum is, you know, something that I've been learning about and something that I kind of want to continue learning about something that I more, and I want to see more of that in the Utah yeah. cannabis market. Very cool. Wow. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I see myself still in the industry. I see myself getting better. I see myself becoming an expert on the product and the Utah cannabis industry. Yeah, man, just just getting better at it, getting better at what I do and, you know, just staying within the industry and continue to give back to to Utah patients because if it wasn't for the patients, we wouldn't have the medical cannabis program we have now, so Seems like a good place to end the it show, kind of right? Does. I Seems mean, like a pretty good place. Yeah. Oh, the la- what, what's the last question you always ask? What's your favorite strain? Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite strain? Do you have a favorite or? strain? Yeah, man. That uh, Sunday Driver from Dragonfly. That's good stuff, man. It's been really, really tasty, man. I, I like that strain a lot. It's really yeah. good. Smells good. Tastes good. It's very good flower. How can people get a hold of you, Tim? To me, it's utahmarijuana.org all day long. It's just we we've been putting a lot more effort into writing more articles, you know, producing more content and really streamlining the process. So people are getting their questions answered there. Very cool. And you could check out my other podcast. I am Salt Lake podcast. I am saltlake.com wholesome.co. We forgot to mention that's how people can go to the wholesome website. Make sure it's wholesome.co, not com. Right. I've seen, I've seen that online tossed around with a com, you know, it's, yep. like, no, it's not yep. com wholesome.co no, wholesome co. Bountiful Utah, right next to Costco. If you and don't know where they are, just go to Costco, look across the way. Really easy. Get that Hyper app, man. It's really easy to use it with that Hyper app. You can connect it to your bank account never have to worry about uh, having the right dollar amount on you. It just takes it right out of your bank account. Yep. Uh, other than that, I mean- Other th- than that, if you've got a letter and you need to convert it to a card, we have a letter to card program. We're trying to help all the patients in Utah- Switch over to a card before the end of the year. Do you want them to call you up? Maybe? Yeah, utahmarijuana.org slash letter, or just go to our website and, and search it out. There's okay. QR codes at Wholesome. If you come down here, you can take a picture of the QR code. You can get a card. Uh, most of the pharmacies around have that information, but there are thousands of you out there, and we can help you. We don't have fees for that. We'll we'll teach you how to do the EVS and we'll just walk you through. We'll call your your QMP and try to get them on board. 
Very cool. Get on that. Get on yeah, that. Yeah, get but, on uh, it because there's a lot of people that need help, right, there is. Pedro? Yes, like, there's there a lot is. of people. A lot of people need to convert to yep. get their cards because starting 2021, you know, a lot of those letters might not be valid anymore. Yeah, they're well, not n- valid. Yeah, I was say, none, none of them, will, yeah, none none of them, them are will, valid. Yeah, they won't be valid. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, but scary. Uh, yeah, so go get it, your card set up, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. Head over to utahmarijuana.org, wholesome.co, and uh, we'll see you next week on the next episode of the podcast. All right. Stay safe out there, guys. See you, man.